What a way to start a service. Amen. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Can we welcome all of our campuses, Appleton, Brookfield, Milwaukee, Germantown, online, online. I know the online people, let me say something to you. We've been working on this digital platform that we've been using, and our guys and gals here at the church have been working tirelessly to make sure that that feed and that uh, that stream is going correctly. It's not been on our end. It's been on a different end. But we've, uh, anyhow, hopefully we've got it all worked out today. And uh, we better have because my mom said she was watching today. And so if I, you know how that goes. Aaron, Aaron. And then she goes, Aaron, middle name, right? And it just gets really serious. So that's kind of what happens. I, I don't know what's going on, son. But it's not, I'm, di- I'm telling you. Because they live like out in what I call the Skeeterville, right? So there's one stoplight in their home in the town. I'm not joking. And so like, <laughs> okay, so anyhow, so they can't get high, it's hard to get high-speed internet, whatever, da 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 And so anyhow, so hopefully, because hope, if she's seeing this, I'm getting a text right now. It won't come up on my iPad because I turned that off because I know what will happen. Son, I can't see you. Please tell somebody. Ryan, <laughs> somebody needs to do something. So anyhow, uh, I hope guys that you'll sign up and be a part of fight night. It's going to be great. Uh, the mechanical bull, I've been working on that. I'm up to 12 seconds right now. Just saying. Don't hate, congratulate. So anyhow, it's going to be a good time. We are doing prizes. We have a giveaway that I found out about this week. I was a part of it. I, I came across it. Uh, so I made the purchase. It is killer amazing. Like you just, you want to be here just to get a chance. And everybody that comes gets a chance for this particular giveaway that we're doing. I want it. Like, but Ryan says, because... As an employee, you can't receive gifts and services, da 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 <laughs> whatever. I may put my name in on this one. So anyhow, um, so it's, it's really, 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 really cool. Come, you got, you've got sons that want to come with you. Bring them. It's going to be fine. It's going to be a good time. And uh, sign up and be a part of what's going on. And one more announcement. Next weekend, I'm preaching a message that I, it's a, what we call a standalone. It's not a series. It's a standalone. I hope that you'll be back for uh, we'll be doing it every campus, online, wherever. Uh, it's something that I think will motivate you. I think it will inspire you. I think it will push you. Uh, if you're anywhere on the cusp of am I called into vocational ministry or not, it may completely push you in a direction. Uh, it's a pretty cool deal. And so I want you to be a part. Next weekend will be different than what we typically do, uh, but I'll be preaching that message and uh, just going to be a great weekend. So. I need to get into today's message because I'm running out of time and uh, Ryan's telling me to land the plane, so I need to do that, okay? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. This is the New Testament one-chapter book called Philemon. Some people pronounce it Philemon. That's okay, however you want to do it. Philemon is how I pronounce it. And um, we're talking about a guy named Onesimus. Onesimus, I know. I have to really work on these these, uh, pronunciations. And uh, Onesimus was a slave to Philemon. I'm going to explain some of what's happening. Because when we hear the word slave in an American Western concept and mindset, we think of slavery, a la what we fought the Civil War over. Uh, This is not that type of slavery in that regard. And I'm not adding conjecture to it. I'm not adding context to it. This is... Uh, this is truly, uh, it's what we would call more of an indentured servitude uh, to it. Um, it would be a deal where someone in a, in a Roman society in this first century, um, if you become um, bankrupt, you lose everything. 
you become basically uh, what we would kind of deem in today's society a ward of the state. You, you, you have no ability. You are completely the, mo- the mercy of what would be social welfare. Then you would in turn go into, because there was no such thing in the first century, you would in turn go into working for someone, which meant you were in servitude towards them. You were what was called a bond servant. And so that's, how, that's what you were doing. And, uh, and so, so that, that, this is what's happening. Onesimus is that bond servant to Philemon. And it's a very interesting conversation because it's about the reconciliation of relationship between Onesimus and Philemon, who is a Christ follower, who lived in Colossae. So Colossae is the city in which the book of Colossians that Paul will write, uh, it's one of those places where he planted a church, uh, Colossae is the city where the church, the book of Colossians was written to. It's, Colossae is a city of, the, of, of that particular church. And this is all about reconciliation. And if you're, this is not going to be on the notes on the screen, but I want to give you just a working definition of what I mean by reconciliation. Reconciliation is a restoration of friendly relation. Restoration is a reconciliation of friendly relation. Now, before you go, oh, he lost me at Philemon, right? Okay, I shaved my legs for this. He lost me at that. I'm completely like, whatever. He's going to give us some New Testament stuff. It's supposed to help me just completely zone out and go on Instagram or, or Facebook or make your grocery list or whatever. The reason this book is all about restoration of relationship, the reason why that's important is that, remember, go all the way back to the book of Genesis. I, I think most of what we deal with in life, uh, I would almost argue almost all of what we deal with in life and society can go back to the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. If you understand the origin and you get the beginning right, the rest of it kind of starts making sense. Now, there's a lot of talking heads and a lot of chatterboxes, and if you believe everything that you read and everything that you hear, and unfortunately in our day and time, very few people uh, engage their brains that God gave you. God never intended for you to disengage your brain. Even when it comes to church, you should have a Bible and a pen, whether it's digital or it's physical, doesn't matter, where you're checking up on what I'm saying or anybody's saying. Hey, uh, you know, it's like, it is this. And, and, and I'll tell you, sometimes we don't know the answers. Sometimes there's differences of opinion. But for the most part, based on what we know, this is, this is it. You go right back to don't just listen. I mean, don't just believe everything that you hear, but rather, well, rather check it out, listen, pay attention to it, and, and, and verify it. It's the reason why you should have a Bible in your hand, digital or physical. And if you don't and you're a Christ follower, shame on you. And you, I can't believe you shame me this. I, I just did that. Give me rewind the tape. Because you should. Because, because, again, this is part of what's happening in our world today. You're, 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 you're in some echo chamber of some, whatever, you, whatever side you fall on. And so that's what you, you believe and you never have a conversation beyond the other or ask the other or whatever. And, and here's the thing about God's word. God's word has the ability to speak life at any time, at any place, to any group of people. From the beginning of time until Jesus comes back, that's what's powerful about it. It never goes out of date. It never, oh, God doesn't go, man, I should have wrote a chapter on that. Never. So, but you got to get in and you dig in. And, and here's the deal. When you go back to the beginning, you find out that God addresses man's need for relationship, his aloneness, before he ever, in, in, before he ever addresses his sin issue. Relationship is one of the most important things that will either aid and bless you in your journey to follow Jesus and what God's called you to do on this earth 
or it will be the biggest hindrance that you have. People that know how to have great relationships, people that can understand what we're going to talk about today, the ability to reconcile when there's differences, are people that don't just get along and, uh, you know, to to get along, but uh, no, 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 no. They, They understand the ability of who they are and their own inadequacies and that we're living in a fallen world with inadequacies. And they also understand the the fact that I sometimes have to give. I sometimes have to be somewhat um, kind. I have to be somewhat receivable. I've got to sometimes move before someone else does. If I don't, then I have this breach of reconciliation that creates all kinds of issues in my life. And I go right back to one of the great teachings that we get from Paul in the New Testament. If you cannot love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God in heaven whom you haven't? And so Paul addresses this rift, this issue between Onesimus and Philemon in this entire book. And the first thing I want you to understand, there's only three basic principles that that from this perspective emerge from this chapter, from this book, is that reconciliation begins with change. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Reconciliation this restoration of friendly relations, it always begins with change. Begins with change. So Onesimus has escaped to Rome. That's what's happened. He's ran away to Rome. He's had enough of Philemon. We don't know what the squirmish is. We don't know what the issue is. We don't know what the rift in the relationship is. But we do know that he has gone to Rome. Rome would have been a popular city for runaways period. Uh, it, it was a big city. You could hide out. It's not unlike any other major city in the world today where there's all kinds of transient people that are there. That's what's happening. But when he gets to Rome, he looks for Paul. And Paul has a conversation and a ministry in such a way that Onesimus kind of admits his own sin. He has this repentant moment, this life change moment. And, uh, and Paul is now saying, Onesimus, you've you got to reconcile with Philemon. Again, you, you can't be in right relationship with God and, be, and have ought here. It just doesn't work that way. Now, you can agree to disagree. You can part ways in order to keep peace. But, you know, but again, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. You, you've left in a wrong way. You've, you, you, you've, you, you owe him. You're under his bondservantship. Uh, he, he in, in essence, is your master from that relationship and one that we don't know how they entered into it. We don't know what happened. Um, but we do know that he's in this relationship. And so there's been a change that's here. So Paul, when he writes this letter to Philemon, he first of all addresses Philemon's life change by Jesus. Look, look, look in verse number four, Philemon's chapter one. There's only one chapter. Verse 4, I thank my God always, this is Paul, when I remember you in prayers, because I hear of your love of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So Paul's acknowledging right from the beginning, Philemon, you've been changed. Philemon, you, you've been, you, you've, Jesus has done a work in your life. You are not the same person that you were. So he's making an argument here. Paul Paul is no idiot. But he also indicates that Onesimus has also had a life changed by Jesus. Look at down, going down to verse 10. He's writing to Philemon. He says this, and I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. 
whose father I became in my imprisonment. These are interesting words. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I just want to take just a moment here. When Paul opens this letter, he addresses it to Philemon, his wife, his son, and to Onesimus, the bondservant. Kind of a motley crew if you really think about it. Then Paul uses the exact same verbiage in which he would, Onesim, uh, excuse me, Philemon would have understood. And, and so because Paul is addressing it to Philemon, his wife, and his son, and then Onesimus, and he's, he's speaking to these people, Paul goes into this body of this letter that he's writing to Philemon, and he makes Onesimus, this, ser- this servant, this bondservant, this slave of Philemon, he, Paul makes him his son in the faith. So he's connecting that relationship, that father-to-son relationship. And Paul does this a lot in his writings. But he's connecting it in the same way all the way back in verse 1, he connects Philemon to his own son. He also, he does this because it's not of a birthright physically, but it's of a spiritual relationship, which is just as, if sometimes not more, eternal and powerful in some ways. He also says, hey, he came to me in my own imprisonment. And, he, and we know there's some type of a rift because verse 11 says he was useless to you, but now he is useful to you and also now to me. This is also interesting, too, because Onesimus, his name actually means beneficial, profitable, useful. Paul's not just, again, when you read Scripture... It's like a fine diamond. It doesn't have just one facet. There are multiple facets to it. It's not multiple truths. There's just depth to it. Paul uses this play on words in verse 11 to communicate Onesimus has changed from uselessness to usefulness. There's been a change in his life. Yes, you had an issue. We don't know what that issue is. And sometimes, you know, can I just tell you, sometimes you think, well, I really wish I knew what that was. I'm glad that we don't because it's broad enough that whatever you're thinking of right now, whatever rift that you have right now, the Holy Spirit's going, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Yeah, he must have read that email. I don't know how he did that, but he got a hold of that, heard your conversation this past week. Was so. Yep. It's broad enough that it goes, maybe that's me. Maybe that's my situation. We, we just know there was a rift, and that rift erupted for Onesimus to run away from Colossae all the way to Rome to find Paul. Paul has a, come to Jesus with him, and in doing so, he surrenders his life to Christ, and there is this fathership, this kinship, this, this spiritual connection that Paul makes with him, and he's writing back to Philemon. Now, Philemon would have been a Christian businessman who would have opened his home and his life in order to help the the spreading of the gospel in Colossae. He would have been someone that would have been notable within the community. He'd been someone that would have had, would have been noted for his generosity. He'd been someone that would have helped Paul and Timothy. He would have been someone who would have opened the door. I think that's important to understand that this book is not written or named after a a, uh, a pastor or a preacher or a missionary or a prophet or an apostle or a disciple. It's a businessman in a local community. It could be any one of your names, any businessman or businesswoman in this room. It's kind of cool. And he's, he's addressing this issue of this rift in this relationship. So reconciliation always begins with change. Secondly, reconciliation requires a choice. Things do not reconcile on their own. If you're taking notes, reconciliation requires a choice. 
Now, if you go down to verse 12, I'm gonna, we're going to read through that, through verse 17. Paul says this, for I'm sending him, Onesimus, back to you. I'm sending my very heart. I know, boy, he really goes for it, doesn't he? Just lays it on thick. Verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf. Note, he's noting the connection that Onesimus has as a bondservant to Philemon. In order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent. Everything, everything works to authority. In order that your goodness might not be by compulsion. I don't want to try to compulse you to do this. I don't want to try to put you, but on your own accord. So I'm putting it in your court is what he's saying. Philemon, this is in your court. No pressure. Verse 15. For this perhaps is why he parted from you for a while that you may have him back. Maybe God was in this is what he's saying. Maybe God is, is working this. Maybe God allowed this break for this to come up so that you guys can work this out. Verse 16, no longer a bondservant, but more, more than a bondservant. As a beloved brother, he elevates the view. He's trying to elevate this view between Philemon and Onesimus, especially to me. So Philemon, even if you don't see it this way, this is how I, the Apostle Paul, see it. But how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord? Because he's there, he's yours, but he's also your brother in Christ. Verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, Paul says, receive him as you would receive me. Wow. Wow. I mean, Paul was quite the superstar. Paul, Paul was quite the person. Paul was that. So both Philemon and Onesimus have a choice to make. Are they going to forgive or are they going to choose resentment? There's a rift. We don't know what it is. Are they going to forgive or are they going to choose resentment? So Onesimus has to forgive whatever the grievance is and go back and submit himself under the, under the authority of Philemon and trust that relationship, and trust this spiritual father and Paul and his advice to him, because it's the right thing to do. But he doesn't know if Philemon's going to do his part, because sometimes, well, if they'll do their part, I'll do my part. No, 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 you don't have any control over anybody but you, and let's just get real with it. Sometimes you don't have real great control over yourself. Amen. Or owe me, or whatever, right? It's true. And he's also appealing to Philemon, hey, He's doing the right thing. Be a brother in Christ. Be more than a master. Be more than an employer. Be more than someone who is in authority over him. Be a brother in Christ. This is an attitude. The work may not change, but the attitude towards someone, each one's change. Or are you going to resent each other? Are you going to resent him for living in Rome? Are you going to resent him for whatever the grievance is? Are you going to resent Philemon and not allow him to be able to work his way back? And again, we're talking about people. And people are jacked up. Have you not figured this out yet? People are messed up. And those of you in this room that just think, it's not me, you're the worst. <laughs> the person that thinks they have no issues are the absolute worst. Have you figured that out? Or the absolute worst? It's not me. I'm, I'm just, okay. I could, I could tell stories right now. Not about you, but just things that are going on in my mind. See, we all have the same choice. When we find a breach in a relationship, with someone that we know, with someone we're connected with, with someone who's not necessarily family, but someone who is tight and close with us, we have a choice. Are we gonna choose re resentment or forgiveness? 
And you cannot predicate your choice based upon what that person's going to do. You have to do what you can do, only what you can do, because you're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. And you don't stand before God and go, God, I wouldn't have had this bitterness in my heart, but if it wasn't for Frank or for Sarah or for Sally or for Johnny, no, 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 no. It's your problem. It's your issue. Own your own junk. Own your own stuff. Call it for what it is and be a grown adult and own it. Woo, don't, don't shout me now when I'm preaching good. Man, I'm preaching better you're shouting. Because resentment is like a rust. It will slowly eat away at your emotional being, at your physical well-being, and at your spiritual well-being. You cannot come before God and pray and have right relationship with him and have aught in your heart with someone else. Jesus says, look, before you ever bring your your sacrifice to the altar before God, before you bring your whatever that is that you're going to give to the Lord, your prayer, your devotion, your whatever, your offering. If there's issue in your heart, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Get up right then, right there, leave the room, go make it right, then come back and make the sacrifice. Then come back and give the offering. Then come back and do that. Why? Because God's looking at your heart. You can fool everybody in the room, but you cannot fool God because he looks at your heart. And he addresses your issue for aloneness before he ever addresses your issue for sin. Because you and I were never created for achievement, we were created for relationship. And this world will tell you it's achievement, it's achievement, it's achievement. Social media will tell you it's achievement. Academics will tell you it's achievement. The, the, The corporate America will tell you it's achievement. Everything is achievement. Everything about how you dress, how you drive, where you live, what you do, what you spend, it's all about achievement. It's a lie. That's nowhere in scripture. It's about relationship. The only two things that are eternal are people and God's word. Everything else burns, baby. Everything else passes away. Woo, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And this is the problem because what happens is, is that we just kind of push it aside. And it's like, no, God's dealing with you. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you even right now. You need to get this junk right. You need to get this stuff right. You need to get your heart right. You have a responsibility, not just to that person, but unto the Lord. C.S. Lewis in the book, Mere Christianity, makes a statement about forgiveness that I think is worth giving. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. Third statement. Reconciliation is often costly. Reconciliation is often costly. It's going to cost you something. And typically something that you can't write a check for. Go to verse 18 and 19. Paul says, if he has wronged you at all, speaking of Onesimus, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand and I will repay it. Now, remember, we don't know the terms and the, and the reason why Onesimus is a bondservant to Philemon. But most likely, he owed a debt he could not pay. So you're not born into slavery in that way. You are 
you, you couldn't pay it, you don't have the ability to pay it, so therefore you become indentured to someone, you become a bond servant, you become that. So we don't know what, so in that society, if you couldn't pay your bill, you didn't file bankruptcy, you, you, you didn't just get a get out of jail free card, no, you actually then were owned, your livelihood was owned by that person. So this is a very, this whole restitution ideology would be something that would be very pervasive. And so Paul steps into this and says, look, whatever he needs to restore to you, whatever he owes you, whatever he's taking from you, I'll pay it. Very uncommon practice in the first century. I'll take care of it. Put it on my account. I'm in prison, but I'll figure it out. That's how much Paul believes in the life changes happened to Onesimus. And Onesimus needs this letter because he needs Philemon to believe, because Philemon may not believe Onesimus, but he believes Paul. Paul's stayed in Philemon's house. Paul's preached in Philemon's church. Paul's, his feet have been under the table and he's eaten at the table of Philemon. Philemon knows Paul. And when Paul says he's going to do something, he is going to do something and he will be a debtor to no man. Paul will write those words to the church in Rome, to be a debtor to no man, but unto the Lord. And according to Roman law, restitution must be paid for Onesimus's actions. And Paul says, don't even hold it to him, put it on my account. Forgiveness might cost you comfort, might cost you time, might cost you money, might cost you personal sacrifice, might cost you the opportunity for revenge. But forgiveness will never cost you more than unforgiveness. Paul will write in verse 21 in Philemon, for be confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. I'm reminded of what Paul will write in Romans chapter five, verse eight. He says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were in Onesimus's shoes, owing a debt we could not pay, living a life that was indentured to a master that would never be able to be satisfied the master of this world the mat called sin. Jesus did exactly what Paul did for Onesimus, for you and me. I'll pay the debt. I'll pay the account. I'll take care of it. When I was least deserving, that's when Jesus died for me. When I was a chief of sinner, that's when Jesus died for me. When I had not the ability, that's when God loved me so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. So how then can I, receiving such grace and such mercy for no reason? See, the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That word so means for no reasons. There's no strings attached to this. There's no small print. There's no legalese. Just because. An unconditional love of God that I have not the ability to understand because I love conditionally. So do you. 
Maybe one day when I get to heaven and I have a glorified body and this world has passed away and sin is no longer an issue in my life or in yours, will we be able to truly understand that? Maybe. But this is why God does it. God loves us when we were yet sinners. So because he gave me such grace and such mercy, how can I then not give grace and mercy to other people? How can I then hold it against? Philemon, how can you hold this against Onesimus? And whatever you hold, I'll absorb it, Paul says. So now that you're changed in Christ, what changes do you need to make? I'm not talking to Philemon. I'm talking to you. What or with whom do you need to reconcile today? You just don't understand. You're right, I don't. And quite frankly, I don't need to. I'm not your judge and jury. But I'm telling you, everyone in this room and everyone watching online and everyone at every campus and myself included, we've all had times where we went, wow, I need to make this right. But they, it doesn't matter what they, but I have a good, but I'm lawful, but I'm within my realm, but this is my rights. Yep. And that will eat you from the inside out where you can give it to the Lord and allow him to be the repayer of the debt. Who do you need to free from your own judgment today? Who do you need to free from your own resentment today? Who do you need to free from your own unforgiveness today? Because can I help you understand something? It's costing you a whole lot more than it's costing them because they are not responsible for you. You're responsible for you. That's what this letter is about. It's about the fact that God created you and I for relationship. And when that relationship becomes splintered or broken or divided for whatever reason, in Christ Jesus, there is a way back for reconciliation. In Christ Jesus, there's a way to bring forgiveness and bring healing. It may even be a difference of opinion, but there's still that way back. So today I wanna pray for you because we all need this sermon from time to time, all of us. This side of eternity, this is part of what it means to live in this world. I'm not your judge, I'm just the messenger. But I encourage you to take a few moments, bow your heads with me. I'm gonna pray, the band's gonna come out and do one more song and just search your own heart. Maybe you need to make it right with the Lord. Maybe you need to say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. And he will. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today, Lord, for how simple it is and how clear it is and help us today. Because what I'm talking about today may be easy to understand, but it is not easy to live because it requires something of us that's beyond our natural response. Holy Spirit, speak. Where's their resentment? Where's their unforgiveness? Where's there a grudge? Let us release it. In Jesus' name I pray.